Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. May 28, 2020. Uh, it's weird, Mike, as uh, we get started on this episode of the Mike Abadir Show. Gino Bacola here, always alongside Mike. It seems like this year has both gone by fast and slow at the same time, right? We're already like into June now, but the last couple months feel like they've been years with everything that's going on. At some, some reason, it feels like both moving fast and slow at the same time. But uh, I know we're excited because we have... Some actual sports news to discuss today. Some some things happening in the NBA and and in the in the world of baseball. Yeah, man. It, listen, man. I'm jonesing for baseball. I was just watching MLB Network's rewind of the '88 Dodgers A's World Series, an absolute classic. I remember each and every game like it was yesterday. I remember where I was. In fact, I was late to uh, get to the start time of that World Series for game one because I was at the batting cages with a couple of my buddies and my my late brother. And uh, I'll never forget. And the reason we were late is because there was a, uh, whatever Rite Aid was, I think it was Thrifty or something back in the day. Yeah, it was Thrifties. Yes, we crossed the street after the batting cages to go to Thrifty to look at baseball cards. It was 88 Fleer had come out. And you could... If you pressed up against the packaging right and kind of like looked up against the light, you could see the last card that's in that pack, right? And you could do this mainly where you could do it well with Donruss, actually. That's funny. And we'd look for – Because it was like, like the wax paper? Yeah. And yeah, so we'd right? look for Canseco, McGuire, Eric David, like all the big – Wade Boggs, Roger Clemens, Kirby Puckett, like all – Mattingly, you know, all the big names from, from back in the day or whatever. I like it, man. I you like know? it. Very so sweet. we used to – it was almost like stealing. It would be like, I, I figured out the packs that I'm going to buy, you know. But – Interestingly enough, Kirk Gibson wasn't one of those cards. Hershiser was. Kirk Gibson wasn't. And and so in in watching, you know, replay of this game, it just it makes me bummed that we don't have baseball because each year produces those kind of memories for some kids. For for somebody else that was my age. I mean, I was young enough where my parents you know, kind of bitched at me for crossing a major intersection without them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, no, like that's... like that type of thing. You know. Uh, and so, yeah, that's that's a bummer. But that series in of itself, man, you know, Eckersley had gone the fastball 17 times in a row. And Kirk Gibson was fouling him, but he couldn't get around on it. I mean, Eck should have just continued doing the same thing instead of that backdoor slider. But he got Kirk Gibson got a great scouting tip, and the rest is history. I was, uh, I was in the um, – I guess I was probably in the stroller. Somewhere, yeah, you were, yeah, you're probably yeah. 18 months old. Yeah, I was just gonna say, that you point? Were, yeah, two years old or less, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, no, and I mean, that's where the infamous Vince Kelly line and yeah. the improbable has ha- uh, wait, yeah, and the improbable in a season that's been impossible has just happened. And the 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 the, the 
all the cars in the background, everybody had the people that were leaving early. You know, you hear the Gibson's stories. wife left early. Yeah, you hear the stories of the people. Yeah, who, he who told her, hey, take, take, and... me, uh, take my Chris home with his son because he was a little bit fidgety. He's like, I'm not playing today. He's like, 100%, that would have been my dad. I don't think my dad's ever stayed for a full game in his entire life. He just will, he'll get there early, get in his seat, get the food, watch what the warm-ups and everything, and then by about the sixth inning, like, he's gone before your seventh inning stretch. It'll depend on, like, the score. But, I mean, if this was a tie game, he in the playoffs, he's leaving early. He just gets on the road, and he turns the radio on. Here uh, in L.A., right, is that we, we get to the game late and leave early. That's kind of the, the reputation nationally. He, he, get, but he, gets early. Yeah, he gets there early, but just leaves early. He just, sure. just wants to beat all the traffic, and he wants to be listening. It's like he loves the listening while he's driving out to the end of the game, like on the way home. Kind of well, a thing. For, it was for, always his routine. So he would have for sure been that one of those folks leaving. And my mom was always begging him to stay at the games. And like for me, I stay all the way through, you know, and uh, I, I always want to, unless it's, you know, 10 nothing and then we'll leave maybe in the sure. eighth inning or something well, like but that. Just, but. To, just to paint the picture to our national, uh, you know, nationwide listeners and maybe even international listeners, the stadiums in Southern California for the most, or actually really in all of California, you know, they're, they're, there wasn't a lot of uh, good planning involved in terms of ingress and egress. And you location know, in, in particular, too. Really, I mean, it just, it's not a great place for, for in and out traffic. It just isn't. No. And, and Anaheim, Angel Stadium's bad, too. It's, a, it's like it's bad getting there traffic-wise. It should be good because it's right by a freeway. Yep. That's what doesn't make sense to me. Like, nope. it should be fine. Nope, and it's not. Seven right there. You got the 55 on the other side. And five right there, all two, like, all to call coming together, and it's not It's not good. And, and Dodger Stadium is It's cool when you're up there, you know, because it's kind of like a little oasis, yep. but, but it's also a little bit different, right? It's not, like you're, it's not like you're Cubs or some of the other stadiums that you – there's a bar right next door. You know, the st- some of those stadiums that are right on the street, you just drive right by them. This is not the case with Dodger Stadium. No. You go up like a hill, and it's on a- it's a lot all by itself, kind of overlooking the city. And it's really cool when you're when you're up there. But a lot of times, it's it's you know kind of a bitch getting in and out. You know what I mean? It's not easy sure. back here, like move, getting around. And, and well, you make a great point. You know, because th- the biggest thing that stood out to me, see, I spent a summer in Boston, and I spent a summer in Manhattan, so. Obviously, I went to Fenway a bunch of times, and I went to Yankee Stadium. And and the, the thing that really stood out the most to me was that people don't drive to the stadiums. No, you know, they walk. Uh, Yankee they, Stadium, you're taking the subway over subway, there. Okay? It's public That's transportation. Where, That's the difference. Yeah, and at Fenway Park, you know, like you mentioned, it's in the middle of a block that's all surrounded by bars and restaurants. So you're pretty much at the bars bar or restaurant until game time you go to the game and when you're done with the game you walk out and you go back to the bar or restaurant tons of cabs it's just a happening area but there's that does an amazing job when it comes to traffic right because not everybody's just rushing to get into a car to go home mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of people that are hanging out after the game it does you it know? spreads it out yeah it, it's totally it beca- spreads it out and we don't they, really have that here in california they, they, they sort of it, that well in san diego the padres is kind Not of like as, that. The, their stadium like is awesome. You can walk right into all the bars and all the restaurants right around it. So that that stadium is is much no, more of a they don't get enough huge crowds to have no. it be a problem. 
and, and that's right, and that's probably true. But they're they're set up a lot more like the stadiums like yes. on the East Coast, you know, yes. which is which is, and I think a lot of people that go to those games don't drive either, which is you you can't. It's not the unfortunately you, they've tried to do it in Anaheim because you're right you're not far from Disney and there's a lot of stuff over there at, at least like you're you're at least where Anaheim is where Angel Stadium is you're on the ground you know what I mean like yep. you're on the actual street level yep whereas like so they, and they've tried to build restaurants up around it and stuff in the parking lot at in Dodger Stadium you ca- you don't have that option period like you no, cannot you're walk you're basically, to the stadium it's not the stadium and that's it the only it's funny the only time I've ever done that, which I've done a few times now, is one of my buddies, James, moved and he lives, you know, right below Dodger Stadium. So we can go park in his at his house and then walk up there. But we're we're walking up the hill. The only thing that's nice about that is you're when you're, you're a little drunk at the end of the game and you've had all the hot dogs and you're full. At least you're walking down. Hell, yep. <laughs> yep. But there's just it's just it's so weird the way the this this like ballpark and, and how things are in California are completely. Yeah, now, have you been to, have you been to, um, pack bell slash AT&T slash whatever the hell it's called no. now in San Francisco. Okay. No. So when they left and candlestick, by the way, was not just a dump, but it was like Dodger stadium where it's isolated. It's by itself. There's one exit off the freeway to get to candlestick and there's nothing else. It's on, it's on Bay point is what they call it. And it's really, really a ghetto area for the most part. Hunter's point, Bay point, nothing in that area. Right. So when they've built AT&T, think of, I'm sure you've been to like Pier 39 and Fisherman's Wharf, which just caught on fire the other day, by the way. Yes. Hope uh, everything's yeah. okay there. On the So the wharfs are numbered, right? The piers are numbered all the way to 39, which is the touristy one. If you go back around the other direction towards the Bay Bridge and then cross to the other side of the Bay Bridge, basically, you have the area where, which is the China Basin, which is where they put in the stadium. I think when it was launched, it was introduced as Pac Bell Park. Giant stadium, let's just call it. San Francisco Giant Stadium, baseball stadium. So, actually, they don't even like the word stadium, right? It's a ballpark. Um, in that area, it was pretty much like a few tech companies that were in the area. But other than that, it was pretty much a vacant area. So, over the last 20 years, they've really done a fantastic job in terms of having restaurants and bars and things of that nature open up in there. In the pockets where the tech companies are, I think like Google has a presence there now. I, I remember a friend of mine; he was a part of a startup. They had a, a an office there. It's one of those hipster, you know, play ping pong in the mm-hmm. office, you go in with your flip flops and your, you know, your your Birkenstocks and your, <laughs> you know, your, your beanie or whatever. You know, uh, a lot of a lot of techies, and um, and so it's become it's become a fun area. And you also have uh, San Francisco's version of. Uh, well, it's really not not even BART. It's a it's a train that goes all the way down to the South Bay. BART, you'd have to take it for a few blocks. It's probably about as close of a feel to the East Coast, but it wasn't always like that is my point. Yeah, you had it, to become it. You know what I mean? And it's artificial. So it does not at all have the same feel as what we were talking about in Chicago, like you said, with Wrigley or Fenway or Yankee Stadium or whatever. But so one more quick side note, by the way, about that World Series that I uh, first started off talking about with Kirk Gibson and Eckersley and everything. Bob Costas claims, and who am I to doubt the great Bob Costas, that the term walk-off came about through Eckersley when asked about a pitch selection, he says he'll live with the pitch, and if he has to walk off the field, he'll do so. So it was actually meant in the That's reverse cool. for a pitcher. For a pitcher, and they, 
but now they've used it as the walk-off home run, right? But t- but originally it was the pitcher walking off the field, which, and like I said, according to Bob Costas, it was Eckersley who coined it. And it still makes sense for it the does. pitcher. The pitcher gives up a walk-off, it does. you know. But that's that's great. That's a good yeah. little a good little nugget. So you were talking all about baseball because baseball is in the news um, recently, and it's not not positive, Mike. Which you know. You and I are are pretty – nowadays, I think m- most people out there are kind of um, just like pretty average baseball fans. They like their team. They'll throw their games on maybe in the background and stuff. I, I would say you and I are a little more – like I love baseball. I watch every night. I'm, I'm playing – I play in a couple fantasy leagues. I play daily. Um, I love to watch other teams that aren't that, – that even the Dodgers that are playing. So I'm definitely you know a, a more – a pretty hardcore baseball fan, and I've always been that way. Things don't look very good for um, baseball trying to get back to playing right now, maybe even this year. And, and and that really stinks because we've talked in the last couple months through the pandemic. Now, with sports coming back and starting to come back, baseball has always felt like the sport that had the best opportunity to get started immediately because of the outdoor setting, the fact that you know, the positions are already even like socially distanced for the most part. Um, they they have a lot of things already working in their favor. One thing that's not working in their favor right now is um, a disagreement between the owners and the players. Um, earlier this year, the players and the owners met and the players agreed to take a pay cut in that this season would be a prorated season. So that they would make percentages, you know, of they would make basically like their day rate instead of making a year rate. You know, they're making per game. Um, and, and so however many games, that would be what the, the pay was. Now the owners have have um, proposed the players taking another pretty substantial damn pay cut. And I, I'm really curious your thoughts as someone who's an agent and knows a, a lot about, you know, in contracts and, and how these things kind of work. I mean – in in the the proposal from the owners, the people, the players that would get screwed the most would be the best players, and they use the example of someone like Mike Trout, who would be this year scheduled to make thirty seven million dollars normally, right? And I know people out there scoff at that and go, "Oh my gosh, does he need thirty seven million? Yeah, he's the best baseball player in the world, and he brings in a hell of a lot more than thirty seven million as far as jerseys, ticket, you know, like jersey sales in particular. They're not going to have tickets, but jerseys, ratings, all sorts of things like that. The guy is damn worth it every single year, right? He he would be making nineteen million, half of that, if they played eighty two games in a prorated state. On this new proposal. He would only be making $5.7 million. He would be making 20% of what his actual salary for the year is. That seems pretty crazy when you break it down like that. Yeah, when you're looking at it as a percentage of what he should be paid, it's an absolute joke. Now, you're not going to get a lot of, you know, understanding or sympathy from the general public. No, which which I don't think is fair, really. Which is not fair. It's not fair at all. And I mean, we're not worth what these guys are worth. There's a reason why they get paid this much. <laughs> Period. They exactly. have a talent level that we that the average person does not. They have the leverage, man. I mean, in in a big way they have the leverage, right? Because if they decide not to play, there's no season. You know, you, 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 there's no other way around it. You know, they have to agree to move forward. And I think the really difficult part is this. The difficult part is it seems like in pro sports, 
you know, the players take a lot more risk than the owners do. It's not like, you know, buying, let's just say, a piece of real estate or buying a stock where it could go up or it could go down. These teams are making money. They don't have down seasons. They may not have as good of a season as the year before in terms of revenue, but usually it's even that's steady. not true. It's usually pretty steady. They're, for the most part, going up each and every year. And the, the value TV of these stuff. teams are going up each and every year. So it's not at all like it's like a guaranteed stock or a guaranteed piece of real estate that just going to keep going up. They don't take on much risk, really, when you think about it. Even if but you're a bad, pass. bad owner, your team Even, yeah. The yeah. worst owners, their teams still go way up in value. You can Absolutely. be awful at what you do, lose a ton, but you're still gonna, your 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 asset is still growing. Well, look at Sterling; he was a terrible owner. Horrible, and and and, and they uh, the Clippers and, and they the were never a playoff team, you could say, for the most part. And and uh, he was one of the more profitable owners during his tenure, and then they're selling it for what two billion. So yeah. I mean, uh, you're exactly 100 percent right. And it's not just about taking on the risk or lack of risk or anything like that. I mean, I think the difficulty is this. And you're not, like I said, you're not going to get a lot of sympathy from the general public when Blake Snell comes out and says, you know, we're risking our lives out there and things of that nature. No, you're really not risking your life. It's a very low risk, Blake, that you're going to get COVID out Play, although, you know. although this is different than a normal strike in, in in that sense, like this is different than just a normal disagreement on the labor because right. you do have to add that additional factor in there. This is something unlike what we've seen. So you do, depending I mean, on I'm, where I'm you stand, about, though, that's a discussion that you have internally yeah. with owners. What I'm sure. saying is if you're going to go to the public with that, everybody like, look, it's just as much of a risk for me to go to Vons to pick up my groceries, except I'm not tested every day. I'm not protected every day and I'm not getting paid millions of dollars to do so. So I think those things are better off left behind. No, they're behind closed you know, doors. Kind of behind closed doors and between the teams sure. and the, uh, you know, the players and the owners. And I think it's one of those things too, where you have to be careful about what kind of sympathies you're, you're trying to aim for. And by mind, I think the only thing that players should be saying, if it was up to me, Hey, or like, let's say I'm their PR guy, right? The only thing they should be saying is, we know that you guys miss baseball. We miss baseball. Everybody loves baseball. We're working diligently to make it happen. Please be patient with us because we want to give you guys something to entertain yourselves with. Yeah. That's it. It's, it wouldn't it's, be bitching about money, man. No, it's it's just it's hard, especially in a day and age where there's social media and all of these players have access to just instantly go onto Twitter. And, and put out what they think, right? It's not even like 20 years ago where you'd have to get a reporter to come talk to you to like put a, put this out. Like all of these, they can instantly tell their own story right away. And so I think, I feel, see, I'm definitely one of the people that stands very much in the side of the players in this particular time. Um, I, do I. I, I agree do with I. you in, in exactly what you said and that a lot of these things, I wish they wouldn't be coming out as much. I think these are things, but I, th- I think they're feeling... A little bit wrong and to the point where hey it we they think that they're getting lied to by the owners who are telling them that they're not going to make any money this year period they want to see those numbers they want those numbers to be public and a lot of owners are kind of bsing that um and and trying to say well you know they're trying they're playing cat and mouse it's like most negotiations you know they're going back and forth um it's i just feel like this is a time where the owners who have a ton of money should be willing to say, you know what, 
we have to do what we have to do right now to be the first sport back. We have to be playing baseball for a couple of month or two months before there's anything else playing. We are going to be on national TV all over, and we are going to bite the bullet as a future investment in the sport to try to bring the fans back and regain fans that we lost in 94 or with the steroid stuff or you know with the recent cheating stuff or wh- whenever it was. We need to make baseball kind of have a good vibe, a good vibe, something good coming off it right now. That's my feeling. I think this would be an investment for the owners. And I know we, we need to take a break right now, but I feel like we're going to probably continue to talk about this for a little while more um, into the next segment um, because this this is definitely like one of the bigger stories out there. Yeah, I definitely have a few points that I want to elaborate on as well, especially because you make some very, very good, solid points about the investment. and I'd like to elaborate on that. So stay with us. We'll take a really quick commercial break, and we'll be back talking more baseball. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Talking baseball here, when they might be coming back, what are some of the issues involved, preventing them from coming back, and which side Gino and I both stand. Are we with the players? Are we with the owners? And one of the things that Gino was getting at was about the investment in baseball itself. You know, and one of the things that we were just talking about at the break is how baseball has a great opportunity to take center stage and everybody's going to be glued to the TV. We've seen it. The KBO had a big buzz and that's on in the middle of the night and nobody knows any of the players that are there. And it, so, it felt it feels like with the the last dance and then what was um it, it's like five there's it's like six there's a couple sporting events that have now happened where it's like six million people seem to be that that group that are just waiting for something 
The data is 100% conclusive, Gino. NASCAR set records with the ratings. The documentaries have set, even Lance Armstrong, I mean, who even likes cycling, right? I mean, that uh, obviously is a very compelling and uh, divisive name in, in sports, Lance Armstrong, but even that set records. The Jordan one was obviously through the roof. But even Foner Park, man, Foner Park's handle is astronomical, right? I mean, people are that much in desperation for any kind of sport, any just kind of wagering opportunities, just some live entertainment, right? We've all exactly. probably, I'm, I'm loving, I'm watch. I love watch shows. We talk about, you know, we were talking about game of Thrones and billions. I'm on Netflix and HBO and all, also the streaming services all the time. But you want, you, you want to get a little break sometimes, right? You want to watch something that's live, something that's current that's going on right now. Yeah. And I'm, and I honestly, I'm sick of watching CNN. I'm sick of watching Fox news. I'm sick of Don Lemon and, 100%. and, 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 and Hannity and all these guys. And I, I give everybody equal time just so that everybody knows. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and equal crap. That's fine. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, here's the thing. The most recent comments, you have Boris coming out, Scott Boris, probably the most big time agent in all of sports coming out and saying, not just as he instructed his players not to bail out the owners, but he came out publicly and says, remember, quote, remember, the games cannot be played without you. This is in a letter that he wrote to his clients. Players should not agree to any further cuts to bail out the owners. Let owners take some of their record revenues and profits from the past several years and pay you the prorated salaries you agreed to, you know, blah, 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 or let them borrow against the asset values they created from the use of those profits players generated. Now, this guy represents 71 players on active rosters. So that's a pretty nice percentage. And we're not talking the, the 24th man on your roster either. He's you know talking, I mean? We're talking about the, the top tier players on each and every roster. Yep. We're talking about the top two or three guys on just about every single roster. Best players in the game. And he's got a lot of clout. Now, what have we seen so far, Gino? We've seen a couple of Division One schools eliminate their baseball programs entirely. Hundreds of minor leaguers, maybe even up to thousands. Thousands, I think Jeff Passan was saying. That yep, are, have been released. That are done. Yep. Scouting departments have been furloughed. We've seen the draft. It's reduced down to five rounds. They have a bazillion rounds in baseball, not five. So you're talking before the break about growing the game, about growth. You know, these are not good signs. Nope. We also have heard about 15 teams, maybe about half of MLB is committed to paying their minor leaguers through this month, May 31st. And then beyond that, who the heck knows? So when you're talking about the future of the game, if the minor leaguers are, you know, gone, they're not going to have a minor league season this year. And you're not going to draft except for five rounds, five players per team, basically. That's kind of an iffy sign, man. It even makes it that much more priority to play and to play now. To get some good mojo out there. Center stage. Because could you imagine if they they play really, really late and it's right coinciding with football, NBA finals, college football, it's, uh, you know, et cetera. And, and, you know, the ratings-wise, they're usually going to be at least below the two footballs, college and pro, you know, 
Baseball only gets big numbers generally for the playoffs. I mean, it's just because it's such a it's it's a lot of it has to do with the 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 season in general, right? Maybe this would be a little bit different in a shortened season where the games are a little bit more important when they don't have one sixty two because that's the thing with baseball is you kind of always feel like I think most people do is like. Oh, okay, there's just one game. You know, like you don't feel the the urgency to watch their game like you would a, a football game, obviously, for example, right? Like, oh, I can't miss this game. There's only one a week. Oh, there's I, they, they got six more games coming up, you know, in a row this week. So this might be a little different, but Mike, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you. If there's if there's football and basketball going on, baseball's always gonna be the third behind them at the least. You need to get out and you have an opportunity to change that right now, though. I right think. now, get get. I'll tell you what. People get they'll you know. And what's cool about where baseball is right now is they have they're going to be starting their season, so they're going to be a lot of people that probably haven't watched the, a team that they used to root for in a while, but could very easily get hooked and watch every game for them for a few weeks span and then realize what they missed about baseball. 100%. This is perfect right now for baseball. 100, 100, 100,000%, Gino. Look, as a, as a youngster, what I watched, I was inspired by, right? So I remember watching Rocky, the Rocky movies, and I remember we rented the VHS of it was a Rocky three, Rocky four, whatever it was uh, Rocky three. I think when he fought Ivan Drago and I remember my brother and I afterwards started boxing. We had this like rug that was kind of rectangular shaped. It's kind of like we made it like a ring. We started boxing bare knuckles. I mean, we weren't trying to hurt each other, but yeah. we were just so inspired by the, you know, and this is as little kids, you know, we're like, you know, fake punching accidentally landing a hit punch or two, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. We loved it. You're inspired as, as a kid with what you see during baseball season. We'd go outside and we'd play baseball for hours upon hours upon right hours. Now there's nothing going on for a lot of these kids. They would watch it and they'd be able to go outside and throw the ball around with their dad or their mom Absolutely. or their sister or hit, their brother. You could like, bring back some of the demographic, right? I've always had a great interest in, you know, how do the demographics of the game shift? Yep. You know, and, and why? And why? And why? And why? Because we saw that some of the best baseball players, you know, now it's it's infiltrated really uh, globally, right? We've got players from all over the world, which is great. But for the longest time, you know, we had some of the best black athletes from the United States choosing baseball, mm -hmm. picking baseball. And even two not. or three sports stars like Daryl Strawberry and Eric Davis, they both had opportunities to play college ball. In fact, Strawberry's son ended up playing college ball at Maryland, you know, um, which kind of tells you something. He didn't go the route as his father, you know, and a lot of players have chosen football or basketball over baseball. Why? I mean, now, Bo I know Jackson. they've started the RBI. <laughs> Maybe the most athletic person in history, Bo Jackson, <laughs> you know, like you, 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 if you're just a kid growing up right now and you're really athletic, you, you go to football, you gravitate to football and basketball. Yeah. Yeah. You just and, don't, and so you, my whole point is right now, Look, if you're not going to develop the minor leagues, for you're going to lose out for a little bit, right? You're not going to have a, a, basically a full draft. So you're going to be hurt. At least start investing in the long-term future. You have an opportunity to do that now so easily. And, so, and I just don't think they look at it that way, which is a lot of the owners there that are like old school. I don't think they're thinking about it in that sense, in that like, oh, we're paying for 
you know, hopefully the fans to come back or for them to get interested again, which I mean, just get like we said right now, they don't understand how important getting a sport on TV first like he, and I and horse obviously horse racing's been on there and we joked and laughed about what if wrestling's a sport you know NASCAR now UFC has come back so there have been some sports now that have had events but if you're one of the major big sports to come back right now at the start of your season you could not have asked for a, a better opportunity to maybe wipe the slate clean with a lot of people and instead of doing that Mike they're doing the opposite and both sides right I'm not like in love with what the players are doing either they're they're both you know fighting with each other i just feel like this is a chance for the owners right now you're the top of the organization you're the top of the uh, of the you know the team that you own you got to set the example right now and say okay this is what we're going to do right now we're going to make a compromise we're going to agree to the deal that we agreed with at the beginning we're going to prorate um everybody's contracts you know and and uh, we're going to get baseball going immediately like there's no reason why that can't be literally agreed upon tomorrow no you know what concerns me the most is that typically speaking it's human nature to work towards a deadline in fact even when when the nfl just very recently averted any kind of potential work stoppage going into this final season of the uh, of the cba we had a deadline of Saturday night and the vote, like literally the votes were trickling in up until then for the players to accept or not. And on that Sunday morning, it was announced that the vote had passed. And so my point is there's no deadline established here. This could go on for a really, really long time. That's what concerns me the most. And hearing the, like hearing from or seeing some of the, the the tweets or stuff from the players and then hearing from from both sides and even the reporters who have talked to the players, none of them sound positive whatsoever. I mean, th- just a couple. Um, this was in the Jeff Passan article from a few days ago. So this is Marcus Stroman, you know, the Mets pitcher. This season is not looking promising. Keeping the mind and body ready regardless. Time to dive in, into some life after baseball projects. Hope everyone's staying safe and healthy. Brighter times remain ahead. And Brett Anderson. And what's funny about Brett Anderson, he his tweet isn't even about him. He says, interesting strategy of making the most marketable players potentially look like the bad guys. <laughs> These guys are pissed. You know, like they don't feel like they're ready to make a like comp- another compromise right now and cut them and cut their money again. They're just not looking at it in that sense. And then that obviously and then what like you said, what, what ends up happening is now I, w- I posted a couple of, you know, um, I talked a little bit about this on that's what G said yesterday. And when I posted a few of the um, links and like the, some of the Facebook groups that I'm in, you should see everybody's response is just damn overpaid players, freaking players, damn owners. And pl-. like nobody, they're pissed off at everybody. All the fans are. They're just like, you really right now when we have a chance to get baseball back, this is what we're going to be dealing with again. People arguing about millions of dollars, which and it's not really fair to say because it's a business and they have to do what's right for them. But it's just such a bad time for this to be happening again. Yeah, it really is. And yeah, I, I, I really dislike that phrase. Oh, just a bunch of millionaires and Me billionaires. Too. are. I hate that. Look, at the end of the day, there is money made in the game. It is a business. And it's not easy to figure out who gets what. That's what they're trying to figure out. 
and it's taking longer than what we would like, but it has to be decided on. And ultimately, I think the biggest issue is the distrust. To me, Gino, that is what this is all about. Yep. The players don't just don't trust what the owner's showing them. Mm-hmm. What the owners are showing in terms of their books, and they don't have to. In, in in MLB, the owners don't have to disclose. It's not a salary cap situation, so they don't have to necessarily disclose the the profits in the same way that the NFL owners have to do. So they basically the owners are trying to peddle some story that they're really not doing as well, as and they're going to lose money if they play games this year. You know things like that. That's that's what they're saying. Exactly right. Now, I don't know if, by the way, I've got my, uh, I'm sure you do as well. I've got the Twitter feed kind of rolling in the background. And every once in a while, I'll glance at it. So uh, there's a a follower uh, of mine, maybe of yours as well. His name is Jeff Jankovic. He is an attorney. Now, I don't know if he's listening to us or he just channeled this uh, entirely through our show somehow. But he just tweeted out just 30 seconds ago, baseball was just a better sport and more enjoyable to watch when African-Americans played it. Played it more and followed it more. Just my opinion. So, Jeff, if you're listening, I hear you loud and clear. I totally agree with you. If you're not listening and you just said that on your own, I still agree with your take and I'm giving you a like. This is an opportunity, man, to, to be able to seize that type of, of market. Yep. You know, like I said, you know, kids it's love every what they, market. you know. Everybody's at home waiting for something to watch. That's they'll the- go. Trust me, man. Kids will go outside. They'll grab a stick if they have to. They'll throw a ball up in the air and catch it with their glove. They'll throw it against a backstop. They'll they'll go to a batting cage when they reopen it, or if they're open in certain states. They'll go out with their brother, with their neighbors, with their cousins, with their dad, with their sister. This is the opportunity, man. So I know we're getting ready for our, our second break, and then uh, when we come back, we want to probably talk a little bit of horse racing, basketball, a couple, couple different things here and there. But it, it just seems like what the players really want right now, they want more games in this season. They want around 100 games at least to be able to get a little bit more money back in the contracts that they hope are going to be prorated. They, where the owners were kind of you know, um, suggesting an 82-game season. So that's what we're going to see. Will the owners be willing to say 100? Because now things that are coming into to play that they were thinking about on the back end, is there going to be this second wave of coronavirus when the weather turns again and gets cold in the fall? That's something that people have discussed. And is it going to be better to try to get things done as quick as possible and shorten season? They have There's just a lot of things going on uh, here, and, and hopefully they can just sit down, Mike, and, and figure it out. But unfortunately, we know business. You have dealt with many things like this many times that's just not the way it works no it's not the way it works and uh, I'll, I'll leave you with this thought and probably doubt highly doubt that any major league owners are, are listening to you and i right now but just in case i've got a suggestion this is a year that just everything is out the window sucks what we know the universe to be this 2020 year is not that you're going to yank it out. You look at up the way up to 2019 and then hopefully 2021 and beyond. And then 2020 just gets an asterisk as a year overall. Okay. A lot of people have lost money. A lot of people have lost their businesses. A lot of people have lost their jobs. Loved a lot ones. of people <laughs> can't even feed themselves. What was that? 
They've lost their loved ones. Loved, loved, oh, yeah. I mean, more important than anything else, of yeah, course. No, that goes without just, saying. Uh, but I'm talking from like even a business context. Yeah. You know, a lot of small business owners have lost their businesses and don't have any means to be able to regain it again. You guys have assets that are going to be valuable forever. You guys have these teams, these brands that are going to be a part of the American fabric for the rest of our lifetimes and beyond for as long as I can envision. Just chalk this up as a 2020 year to where you're not going to turn a profit even. You probably will anyways. But the owners should get together and say, when fans are allowed back in, we're going to give free outfield tickets to certain communities that have been affected, to doctors and nurses, to people who have lost loved ones, to certain neighborhoods that are experiencing a rough patch. If I'm an owner, I'd maybe open it up for the rest of the season, they're just not selling any tickets. Yeah, they're not okay? football. They need to and do then this. get together with the other owners and come up with a small profit sharing plan just for this season, so that the teams that are maybe hurt can recover a little bit from the Yankees and from the Red Sox and from the Dodgers. I know that's very socialist thinking, and I'm very anti-socialist. But this is a different type of year, like I said, and the thing is. The Yankees need the Brewers to play. They need the Mariners in order to play. They need the Marlins in order to play. So it behooves them to help one another out a little bit. Even if that just means, hey, we're going to be, each team is going to be behind seven, eight million dollars that's at the bottom. The teams that are at the top are ahead only 20 or 30 million and not in the billions or whatever. Maybe it's just a little bit of love so that we can get through this period. The goodwill, Gino, will have everlasting effects. They will more than make up the money that I'm talking about for the tickets and for a little bit of sharing in the long run. That I can guarantee. So, Artie Moreno, Magic, whomever's out there, please think about it. Gino, let's take a final commercial break. and We'll come back and talk about the big breaking news in horse racing with Bob Baffert. Barn and his top-notch prospect, Nadal. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. 
VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. So we're closing things out here. And, uh, Mike, we shift the focus from baseball on to a, a couple other topics. Um Unfortunately, today, uh, one of the top contenders for the Kentucky Derby had to be retired, undefeated, unbeaten. Nadal for Bob Baffert had a conjular fracture and is now out. He was pointing to the Belmont. Bummer on many accounts. I actually, I really, really was a big fan of this horse. He was uh, one of of the horses I picked um, early on in the year in my fantasy horse racing league. Very bummed out to see him retire, but this has been a... um, an interesting week for Bob Baffert, to say the least, with Nadal now retired, and we find out um, whether or not the public should have found out earlier this week that there were a couple of positive tests that came from horses at Oakland that looked to be in the Bob Baffert barn. The problem with all of this out there is there's just not a ton of information about the earlier reports in the week. We have to hear from another test, and sometimes this doesn't seem in the sense of what had happened with um, Navarro and with service and that the drug and that they're talking about is something that is actually allowed in horses, but just only certain amounts at certain times. So it's, it could be a very small overage. So I don't, I don't really want to comment too much on the, the, the drug stuff until we hear a little bit more. And when I find out more, I'll be fine to go one way or the other. I just, I, th- I don't think we know a whole lot about it yet. And I don't, I don't like mentioning things, or talking about stuff when they're still, it's still like a fluid situation. No, I completely agree with you. And people are already running wild with this. And I, I've even uh, seen some chatter about some people saying, oh, no wonder Nadal's retiring, right? Yeah. They're trying to associate the two stories, bridge them together. And they had already said for sure, the owners of Nadal had already said that he had a clean test after winning the, his Arkansas Derby. So yeah, people had, are just ridiculous. And yeah. th- I, I'm sure you saw earlier during the week too, uh, there was rumors about Gary Stevens. I don't even necessarily want to get into that. But just the, the amount of fake news and misreporting is unbelievable. And the shame of it is this, Gino. In this era, it's it's kind of crazy to me. And this is maybe a little bit of a slight tangent. But this this is the world we live in, okay? Somebody can send a very, very thoughtful tweet, very thought-provoking about the deaths that are going on around us with COVID-19, okay? And they start racking up the, the likes and the retweets and the love for what they said, okay? You look on their timeline, and eight minutes later, they're tweeting a video of somebody twerking. They're not exactly sitting there grieving what they just tweeted. Their mindset quickly shifts from one thought to the next, unrelated Some are funny, some are serious, some are heartfelt, some are, it's like you go from crying to laughing, you know, in in 60 seconds or less. The point I'm getting at is this. We go from one tweet to the next, one story to the next. So when there's misinformation, to me, what troubles me the most, Gino, is when somebody reads something that's incorrect, 
there's a good chance that they don't ever come back around and circle back around to the correction. They don't ever get the retraction. Yep. Never get the retraction. And to me, I think that's one of the more unfortunate things about the day and age that we live in. It's better to be right than first. Everybody wants to be first. Everybody wants to be really hot takey. And it's just like good, solid information that's not like a super hot take and correct information is so much better than clickbait or, hey, I got this out first, but it was completely wrong. It just doesn't make any sense nowadays. And it just, you don't get the extra bonus points for getting a story first when when you're going to be wrong most of the time. It just, you, you don't, it just doesn't make sense. No, it, re- it really, really does not at all. So, but back to kind of the original uh, breaking news of the day, very unfortunate. Um, you know, I'm not a Baffert hater. I actually love Bob Baffert. I love what he's done with his horses. I love the success that he's had. I love looking forward. I think last year overall was kind of a down year for Baffert, probably a best year for 99% of other trainers is his worst year or, or a down year for Bob Baffert. But I really look forward to his, uh, his three-year-olds and the approach like he anything- takes with them and the the triple crown season and all those things and and so to me I was really looking forward to seeing Nadal go through the process and maturity. Me too. I thought I thought he was the best. I think it's like anything. This is a big deal because of it's always who it is, right? Like it, it's Baffert involved. He's you know maybe the greatest or someone that's going to go down as the most well known, like one of the more winningest trainers of all time with money and big races and, and all that. He, stuff. He's Phil Jackson. He, of he's, he's like on, you know, he's a very, very noticeable face to people that are not even in the horse racing world and in, in the industry. So, and I think uh, what, what makes this difficult too, is it's all betters, right? All the people that are customers are betters are gamblers so when 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 there's anything that comes out about cheating one way or the other or a horse being, you know, drugged or doped or given something, right away we all as customers feel pretty damn wronged. So then that what ends up happening is people right away are saying, "Hey, how come I'm not getting, you know what I mean? Oh, I bet against that horse that day. I lost a bunch of money. That's, you know, that's bull or that." So it's a very weird dynamic in horse racing too, even more so than other sports because it's so much about the money and then as soon as something like this comes into play, Sometimes if, if a horse gets disqualified, the owners and the trainers will lose their purse, part of the purse, and it'll be redistributed, but nothing happens to the betters, right? And there's no way they could redistribute all those tickets and all the, the money from the bets that day. So that's what's weird about all these situations. And people, as, as, as gamblers, we're bitter, we're hardened, we've lost a lot. Anytime there's an opportunity to take a shot at someone like a Baffert, people are going to jump out in just they're going to come out from where they're hiding and they're going to absolutely love it. And and I I will take shots at anyone anytime who I feel like is wrong to us. I just don't have enough information in this. And personally, like, you know, Baffert's been someone who's had a a storied past, but also not necessarily the cleanest past. He had the horse deaths that were on his uh, resume a few, uh, you know, year, years back that nobody ever really figured that that whole thing out. And it was what, like not, seven or eight deaths, I believe. Yeah. And yeah. he's not been the cleanest. And, and he's been someone who with his, you know, um, with his kind of 
aura, he can make a lot of things happen wherever he goes, right? At racetracks, people were upset because he gets races split or races written for him all the time, or they treat him as a big born different than other people. So there's a, there's a lot of people who probably feel wrong. I just need to get more of this information before I come out with the pitchfork. Cause I, t- this could be something that's a very small overage in this situation that that doesn't have anything to do with justify or years past or other horses. But in this particular situation, I think people were kind of waiting and they saw something and with what it happened with um, uh, Navarro in service uh, a few weeks ago, uh, you know, a couple months ago, people were just kind of wanting to get the ball rolling and everybody, I, I don't think this is that situation. No, I, I don't I think so either. And I like, think Bob Baffert, by the way, is too smart to be involved in some kind of really, really intricate type of, you know, conspiracy ring. I, I kind of agree. <laughs> you know, I don't think yeah. he would be involved with it. My guess, Gino, is that he probably has some type of self-baked excuse. You know, something maybe sort of similar to uh, one of our recent guests, uh, Baltus, from a couple of weeks ago, uh, Southern California horse racing trainer Richard Baltus, where it's maybe a jurisdictional thing, perhaps. I'm just completely speculating. I don't know anything at all. But one of those things where different jurisdiction, you know, uh, it was a mistake, I take accountability, blah, 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 blah. Could be. I don't know. Or could be something a little bit more serious. Could yeah. be something that is just, uh, it, it's not a performance enhancer at all. But and it's just, a, no, and, it's and, over and, the limit. Yeah, and that's you know kind mean? of what it was. It was like a, it, and it's probably going to come out that it was just a small over the limit type thing where sometimes you're in, in translation, one of the assistants or somebody gives them a, a little too much of something. And, and I'm not saying that it, it wasn't some, attempt to get a, an advantage i just don't know that's that's the point right now we just don't and that's why you don't normally see stories like this leaked in the middle because then th- this is what ends up happening there's just so much conjecture on both sides right we're like we're arguing points that we if we just waited we could a- argue the actual points completely agree with you completely agree with you now uh we didn't have necessarily a ton of time to talk about it Although we we got to quickly mention it about the uh, kind of the reshifting of the triple crown, uh, the triple crown schedule, uh, I know we kind of touched on it last week very very briefly. But just in uh, in in the last couple moments of the show here, and I know there's maybe some possible good news with the NBA, and we could probably talk about that a little bit more next week's show as we have a little bit more clarity. But w- overall, what are your thoughts? You know, some people say that if uh, if a triple crown is achieved, it would be a fake triple crown, an asterisk triple crown. What are your thoughts just about the order, the schedule, the time in between, so on and so forth? No, I mean, I think we, we, it's one of the, we're always going to know this year was different for things, right? The horse could be called a triple crown winner if they won all three, but we, and and we would all know, and that, that would be the first talking point. It would be, oh yeah, um, you know, uh, Maxfield is your triple crown winner from 2020. Remember that year when the triple crown was run all different? That's all it takes is just a a little foot a footnote in it. It it doesn't. It, it's like you said. They had to do this. It was either put these races where they are or don't run them, period. Shorten the Belmont a little bit or don't run it, period, or change the name of it. I'm fine with the way things are as long as next year we're back to a normal Triple Crown. Absolutely. It, yeah. I completely agree with you. I mean, here's the thing, Gino. These these horses are only three-year-old once. <laughs> this is the only opportunity that we have with this group to be able to run yep. in these races. So you got to do something with them. And I'm sorry, I don't care if you beat up your competitors in three races. I don't care what the distance is. 
if they qualify for these races and you beat them three times, I don't care how much time is apart between them, it's still a very, very remarkable feat. It's going to be impressive. It's going to be difficult to do. And I, I just, this, that, like, you, you know me, I, I have plenty of, of, you know, hills to die on. The, some of the more recent ones, they don't bother me at all. Yeah, I'm with you, Gino. I'm with you. And I'd love to talk about this further. We're out of time, though, Gino. This has gone by so fast, as always. Thank you, all the listeners out there, for tuning in. We'll be here same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.